The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Majority Channel. of parents oppose President. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church and then went to graduate school and received my Master's of Divinity and then began pastoring a church, a Seventh-day Adventist Church in Rockville, Maryland. The Seventh-day Adventists believe in keeping the Seventh-day Sabbath from Friday evening sundown until Saturday evening sundown. Now, we were totally out of step with most of the Christian world. But the Seventh-day Sabbath was very precious to me. It was a time of worship and prayer it was a time of reflection and rest. It was a time of family being together, a time when guests would come to our home after church and we would share a meal. It was a time when we turned everything off in the world. No radio, nothing, silence. It was a day of rest and reflection and sharing and intimacy with each other and with Jesus. I understood at that point that the Sabbath was vital for men and women. And as I grew and matured, within 10 years of beginning my ministry, in 1969, I had come to understand out of the book of Hebrews that Sabbath was something very different than law-keeping. I'm going to walk with you through what I discovered. It is one of the most precious truths I've ever found. It has transformed my life. Now, some of what I'm going to share, I've shared before, but walk with me through the whole perspective and see if it doesn't touch your heart and open new vistas for you to understand who Jesus Christ truly is and what he wants today in his relationship with you and with me. This is not a truth that you would just stumble upon. There are many passages of Scripture that we need to look carefully at. There is a historical past to the Sabbath. And it began before the fall of man. It started in the Garden of Eden. I invite you to jot down the Scriptures we're going to cover today. I'm going to present this in a logical, step-by-step -step manner 
I'm not going to emotionalize it. I want you to hear the clear teaching on what the Sabbath is. But I'm going to give you a clue ahead of time about where we're going. What I discovered was that Jesus Christ himself is the Sabbath. Not a day. Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, is the Sabbath day. And we learn this as we walk through the history of Scripture. We'll begin today in the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Let's pray together as we begin. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would unveil the truth of the Sabbath. I ask, Lord, that you would clear up the legalistic questions that men and women have regarding how to keep the Sabbath. I pray, Lord, that if there are any Seventh-day Adventists listening or other Judaizers, that they could come into a clear understanding and a relationship of intimacy could be built with you, Jesus, based on the teaching, the clear teaching of the entirety of Scripture. Lord, thank you. Guide us now as we open the Word understand what it means to enter the rest of God, the bedroom of God. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Remember from past study in the last week that Jesus himself, according to Hebrews, the first chapter, Colossians, the first chapter, and the Gospel of John, the first chapter, that it was Jesus himself who created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The God referred to is the one God who manifests himself in three persons. And the manifestation in the creation story is the one we know as Jesus. In Genesis, the second chapter, let's begin reading with verse 1. Genesis, the second chapter, beginning with verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested. He rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. Now we also find in the book of Genesis that God came daily, that Jesus came daily and walked with Adam and Eve. So they literally had on the eighth day, the Sabbath rest. The ninth day, the Sabbath rest. What did God do after, or what did Jesus do after the seventh day? His work was completed, so he rested. And so we find that the Sabbath rest is instituted 
before the fall of man. And I just wonder, what was it like to have God, to have Jesus come day by day in the cool of the evening and celebrate the Sabbath with Adam and with Eve? to fellowship with them, to answer their questions, to express his love, to walk with them, to spend time together with them. He was literally courting his bride. His intention was to marry Adam and Eve and their offspring. And then you know that the devil came in the form of the serpent and he seduced Adam and Eve and took over the ownership of the world because they chose to serve the devil, the serpent, the dragon, and turn aside from the living God of heaven and earth. Now, when they turned aside from the Lord God of heaven, and they fell, a judgment was passed upon Adam and Eve. And in that judgment, Adam was told, now you are going to have the ground cursed because of, of you, and through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. I will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, Eve also was to receive the curse of a painful childbirth and subjection under her husband. And then came Cain, who attacks his brother Abel and kills him because he doesn't like the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of the Lamb that has been called for by the mighty God of heaven. Now we need to note here that the Sabbath observance, the intimate fellowship between the Lord God of heaven, between Jesus and the human race stopped. No longer did God come in the cool of the evening to walk with Adam and Eve. The Sabbath was broken. The Sabbath rest was destroyed. Intimacy with God was gone, and now it was intimacy with the powers of darkness, with murder. The Lord God of heaven is a God of light. The devil is the God of death. And death began to reign over the children of Adam and Eve. So now we do not have Sabbath spoken of again until many years later. Abraham was never told about Sabbath. Isaac, Jacob, they were never told about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, in fact, did not come again until Exodus, the 16th chapter. And now, instead of being seven days a week, God coming and walking with his people, 
the Lord decides to bring back the Sabbath one day a week. Notice the 16th chapter of the book of Exodus. The whole community is grumbling. They are angry with Moses and with Aaron. And the Israelites said to them, this is verse 3, Exodus 16, verse 3, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day, and in that way I will test them and see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he heard your grumbling against him. Now when we turn to verse 13, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp, and when the dew was gone, Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? Or the word in the Hebrew is manna. Manna means what is it? They didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer. It's probably about two quarts. For each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as they needed. Now he said, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some paid no attention. They kept part of it until morning, and it was full of maggots, and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Do you see what God is doing here? He is beginning to discipline his people to teach them about Sabbath where he is going to have them stop all work, no traveling. Each is to remain in his tent. And on the, on the sixth day, they are to gather all they need for two days. And on the Sabbath, it will not have maggots in it. It will be preserved. 
the Lord is teaching them that the Sabbath is going to be a time of fellowship with each other, a time of reflection, and a time of fellowship with Almighty God. When we continue to look at the question of the Sabbath, we come again then to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus and the 8th verse. This is the story of God speaking the Ten Commandment law and the other requirements necessary for the children of Israel to live at peace with one another and with the Lord God. Remember, they came out of Egypt as ignorant slaves. They had no culture. Culture comes out of beliefs. Culture comes out of what we understand. And God now begins to build them a culture of righteousness. And he does so by inviting them on the Sabbath to begin to enter into a day of rest. Now, before the fall, they had seven days of fellowship with God. See, the issue of the Sabbath is not working or not working. The issue of the Sabbath is fellowship with God. I'll show you that in the New Testament as we move forward. The Sabbath is not about law. It's about a relationship with the Creator God. And he carves out for himself as one wonderful mystical Jewish writer put it, he carved out a memorial in time instead of space. We who are human make memorials in space. We build a great cathedral or we put up a monument. God didn't do that. Instead, he built a monument in space, a place we could inhabit, a place where we could begin to celebrate the creation of God and the creation of ourselves in order to give us an identity. Now, if you look at America, our identity is being destroyed by President Obama and by the Congress, and by the, the judicial branch. Our culture of the Judeo-Christian ethic is being utterly eviscerated in America. Well, when you eviscerate your beliefs of righteousness, you then destroy your culture. And when you destroy your culture, you're then ready to believe in anything. And destruction comes on that people. America is great, Torqueville said, because America is good. The pulpits burn with righteousness. Well, in America, the pulpits no longer burn with righteousness because our beliefs are being destroyed. 
And one of the greatest sorrows of my heart is for the Methodist Church, because that's my heritage. My, my grandfather and grandmother were Methodists. They believed in the method of holiness. They were old-fashioned Methodists. And now the Methodist Church, in the general conference that is meeting now, is beginning to eviscerate righteousness and beliefs by approving of homosexual marriage and saying this is from God. And it's going to mean a bloody battle in the Methodist Church for the soul of Methodism. Now, of course, this is not surprising because they have slowly been going down this road for some time. Wicked clergy have not understood what it means to destroy your fundamental beliefs of righteousness. God is now beginning to take this, this wicked heathen people, his children of Israel, and he's beginning to build into them a belief system in himself that will create the culture of Judaism, of which we have the benefit in the Judeo-Christian ethic. Christians came out of Judaism. Jesus was a Jew. And so we have this heritage that is now being destroyed in America by what I believe is a Muslim president. When we look at the Ten Commandments, he opens in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You are to have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or earth beneath or in the waters below. And he continues giving us these marvelous first four commandments that deal with our relationship with God. The remaining commandments, six of them, deal with our relationship with each other. The Ten Commandments are the statement of righteousness from which the culture of America sprang. In verse 8, at the very heart of the Decalogue is the fourth commandment. Let me read it for you. Remember, that is in the Hebrew Bring it to mind as it were happening, as if it were happening today. Remember it. Make it alive in you. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, by setting it apart for a special purpose. That's what holy means. Just set apart for a sacred purpose. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your maidservant or your manservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So right in the very heart of the Decalogue, there is beginning to be portrayed a righteousness, a holiness that is in time. Now, where God wants to go with this is to fully restore Adam and Eve to the glorious relationship they shared before the fall. He wants to destroy the work of the devil in seducing them, and he wants to bring them back into the fullness of relationship with himself. And he is using the Sabbath to begin to do this. Now, when you look in Luke, the sixth chapter, let me begin with verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain and rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You see, the Pharisees had reduced the Sabbath from intimacy with God to a set of laws. Now, there is some reason for this. In the experience of the children of Israel, every time they turned away from the God of heaven and entered into sin, judgment came upon them. And some of those who were most concerned with righteousness said, we have got to guard the law. And so they established rules to be certain that you would not violate the law because they did not want their nation turned over once more to destruction. So the Pharisees were the most righteous among the people in the sense that they were most attuned to the keeping of the law. They were not involved with intimacy with God. Their concern was not intimacy with God. Their concern was that their nation not be destroyed, and so they established rules that if they kept, they would not violate the law. They did not understand that what God was trying to establish in them was righteousness and holiness in relationship to himself. And so as they see Jesus himself, who is the Creator God, walking among them, they could not recognize him. They could only recognize their laws. For example, there was a law the Pharisees had that said you could not walk but a certain number of steps on the Sabbath day. If you go to Rockville, Maryland, and you find the Orthodox Jewish synagogue there, some years ago they made a ruling that said all of Rockville was your home. And so you could travel from any point in Rockville to go to the synagogue without violating the number of steps you could take on the Sabbath day. 
They also had a law that said you could not carry a second handkerchief, because that would be bearing a burden on the Sabbath. They also established that you could not carry an egg on the Sabbath. That would be bearing a burden. Then they had all kinds of rituals for washing, for washing their hands and, and washing their cups, even though it was clean. Jesus was very critical of these, of these false laws that they had established because his concern was dramatically different than the Pharisees' concern. Jesus was concerned about the inward purity of the heart that would keep a man or woman from intimacy with him. He wanted the disciples to walk in the Sabbath rest of intimacy with him, not try to keep a law. So Jesus was not violating the fourth commandment as he walked with the children, with his children, his disciples. Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. You see, that bread, the table of showbread, was a symbol of the children of Israel laying their bodies before the Lord to be the food of God. Now, we're not going to pursue this topic today, but Jesus gave his body to us to be our food. We are to give God our bodies to be his food. We are not to give our bodies to the devil to be the food of the devil. We're speaking here spiritually. It says, he also, David, gave some to his companions. And then Jesus says to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, the bread was given to Jesus to be his food. And he is now saying, I gave to David myself to be food. This bread belonged to me. It was my food. I can share it with whom I choose. And if you think for just a moment, the implication of that is profound. If you are the showbread and laid out before God as God's food, he can break you as bread and give you to any person he chooses to give you to. There is no room in the life of the Christian for legalism or religiosity. There's no room in the life of a Christian for criticism of another, for accusations against another. There's no room in the life of a Christian for bitterness and anger over having been spent for another, because we are the food of God, and He has the right over us to feed us to anyone He chooses to feed us to. We are His. And he is ours. And so we eat his broken body. And he feeds on our broken body. And gives us to the world as food. He said, 
the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and he was teaching, and a man was there with a right hand that was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand. He said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? He looked around at all of them and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely healed. And they were furious and began to discuss one with another what they might do to Jesus. You see, Sabbath is a time of healing. It's a time of restoration. It's a time of intimacy with God. It's not a time for religiosity. It's not a time for legalistic, legalistic keeping of rules. It's a time to heal and a fellowship with the Lord Jesus and with one another. It's a time to be in the service of Almighty God. The Pharisees could not understand this. I could show you other examples of the same thing in the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Now, let me say some very interesting things that I've observed as I have studied the scriptures through the years. Nowhere, nowhere is one day a week commanded to be kept in the New Testament. It's simply not there. And I've heard all the arguments, and I've made the arguments as a Seventh-day Adventist many years ago. I left that church many years ago because I found their teaching did not conform to the writings of Scripture. They are a church in serious air. They are a good people, but they are legalistic. Without saying more about them, let's turn back now. And I want to say to you, they will argue that until the 4th century A.D., Christians were keeping the Sabbath. That is true. And there are Christians today who are keeping the Sabbath. And there are Christians today who are keeping the feast days, the annual feasts, the monthly celebrations. I don't condemn them. I just recognize that they don't recognize what these things are truly about. Nowhere in the New Testament is there any teaching regarding how to keep the seventh-day Sabbath. And I used to say to my 
cohorts in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. How do we know how to keep the Sabbath? And they would say, well, there are rules established in the Old Testament. I would say, but aren't we under the New Covenant? Well, yes, we are, but that does not release us from the law. Okay, I'm not an antinomian. How do we know how to keep the Sabbath then? And do you keep the Sabbath according to the rules laid down in the Old Testament? If you are a Sabbath keeper, I urge you, search through the rules of the law, the Old Testament, to determine whether or not you are actually a Sabbath keeper. For example... A man was put to death because he went out and gathered sticks to build a fire to cook some food on the Sabbath. Do you turn your stove on on the Sabbath and create a fire? If so, you are not a Sabbath keeper. You are a Sabbath breaker. Do you rest in your home on the Sabbath? There is no teaching that we should have church on the seventh day of the week in the New Testament. There is no teaching according to the laws of the Old Testament in the New Testament. And so people who say they keep the law, yet prepare food or go to a restaurant to eat their meal, use money, I remember when I was a brand new pastor and I had to make a circuit of 200 miles to get to all of my churches that I was to preach on the Sabbath. Many Sabbaths I went without a meal because no one invited me home and I would not spend any money on the Sabbath day. That is Old Testament legalism. You see, there are no teachings in the New Testament about how to keep the Sabbath. There is instead a whole new definition given to what the Sabbath is. I want to share that with you. If you look with me at Romans, the 14th chapter, verse 5. One man considers one day more sacred than another, and another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord. None of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. The principle is being laid down now. 
that if you choose to keep one day of the week as sacred unto Jesus. There's nothing wrong with doing that as long as you are doing it to Jesus and not to the law. As long as you are doing that out of a heightened sense of the need of intimacy with Jesus, there's no problem with it. The problem comes if you are doing it out of obedience to the law because it is not mandated by Jesus in the New Testament for the Christian. Now I have several other passages of Scripture I want to share with you. Galatians, the third chapter, verse 23. Let me begin with 22. This is Galatians 3, 22. But the scripture declares that the whole law is a world, the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe or those who come and adhere to Jesus. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up, until faith should be revealed, so that the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. So even as in the Old Testament, the Sabbath law was instituted to lead the children of Israel to God, that law continued in effect until Jesus came. And that law was meant to lead us to Jesus Christ and to intimacy with God. That we might be justified or made righteous by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ. That is, all of you were crucified with Christ. You have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is, is as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. In other words, we were unrighteous. We were sinners. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. Since you are a son of God, God has made you an heir. Formerly you did not know God. You were slaves 
to those who by nature are not gods, but now you know God, or now you are intimate with God. Now you are allowed to enter into his rest, his place of cessation, his bedroom. The Christian never leaves the bedroom of God. The Christian never leaves intimacy with God. In the Old Covenant, you were given one day a week to enter into intimacy with God. The other six days of the week, you had to work and earn your bread. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that some of you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days, months, and seasons or years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my effort upon you. Now, let's be very specific. He's speaking about a weekly Sabbath. He's speaking about a monthly celebration. And he's speaking about an annual feast. And he's saying, you have gone back and you are observing those things in observance to the law. And because of that, I fear I have wasted my time on you because you are back under those miserable principles of law-keeping. Because you have left intimacy with Jesus where you have been made righteous. Now in Galatians 5, let me begin reading with verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the entire law is summed up in intimacy with God and intimacy with each other. It is summed up in love, not in law. And in that love, we have been removed from sin, and sin has been removed from us. And we walk with no known sin in our lives. We have been made righteous. Verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the sinful desires of nature. And it says the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, go with me to Colossians, the second chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 16. Therefore, well, let's go back to 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. How did he do that? By removing sin from our hearts by making us righteous so that no longer no longer did the devil have any power over us and then verse 16 therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration or a sabbath day in other words again the annual festival, the new moon festival, the monthly festival, or the Sabbath day. Don't let anybody judge you in regard to these things. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. The reality of the law is found in Jesus. The law is for the lawbreaker. The law is for the sinner who continues to walk in opposition to intimacy with God. Is the law necessary? Yes. And every sinner will be judged by the entire law. And anyone who is judged by the entire law will be cast into hell. Because by the law no man will be counted as righteous. And so this issue of the Sabbath is literally found in Jesus as our Sabbath rest. Not one day a week, but seven days a week. We're going to find this as we move forward in the next study. As we look at the book of Hebrews, chapters 3 and 4, I urge you to read these chapters, Hebrews the third and fourth chapter. And you will find there that the Sabbath is referred to as a place of redemption, a place of healing, as a place of rest seven days a week, not one day a week. Is it okay if you keep the Sabbath one day a week? Yes, if you are keeping that one day a week for a special time of intimacy with Jesus? Is it okay if you keep one day a week 
to be in accord with the Ten Commandments. No, it's not. That's legalism. You cannot keep the Sabbath legalistically and enter into the kingdom of heaven. The law is, imper is impossible for a sinner man to keep. Two minutes. Well, we're going to end there for today. I pray this has been helpful to you. I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to help this broadcast stay on the air this month, I ask, please, would you be responsive to what the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart and write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now let's pray. Jesus, you are my place of rest. You are the place where I find the fondest cry of my heart being met. Jesus, I praise and I worship you and I honor your mighty name. Thank you for forgiving my sin and making me holy before you. I love you, Jesus. Have your way. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.